on Friday. So there was some transition taking place there in Shenandoah this week. So you can pray for the weavers as they go through this time of change. You can turn to the book of James, James chapter 3. You maybe have your Bible open there already. I have been preaching through this through James and Shenandoah, and I've been enjoying it and plan to share the message from James chapter 3, and I can see I'm already going to be in a race with the clock this morning. And Lee, I appreciated the Sunday school lesson, especially the call to discipleship. The title of the message this morning is A Bridled Tongue, and thinking about a disciple, I liked how you emphasize a learner. So this is something, thinking about the tongue and words, we are, this is a continual call for us to bridle our tongue. And yeah, James 3, James 2 was, uh, James was talking about a faith that works. James is a very practical book, and I believe the last message I shared here was from James chapter 1. So a, James cares about not just what we say about Christianity, but about what our, uh, what, what our, what is coming out of our life. What is our life producing? Our life or our faith should be a faith that works itself out in good works. If we are professing a faith in Christ, we should have a bridled tongue. You could even call it a disciple with a bridled tongue. So I'm going to use PowerPoint just briefly this morning. The title again, A Bridled Tongue. And that word bridle, simply, the simple definition I'd like to look at is to keep under control. Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that, he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Thinking about our tongue and the words that we say. And I want us to bridle our tongue because an unbridled tongue is full of deadly poison. I'm going to read the first 12 verses here in James 3 at this time. James says, My brethren, be not many masters, other word used there could be teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or stricter judgment. Verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, this same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things, Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Verse 7, For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therefore, 
and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So James begins here in the chapter by the call to, or basically saying don't desire to be a teacher because you're going to be judged with stricter judgment. And I look back as I was seeking God's direction on what I should share this morning. I look back and last December I shared a message, I believe the title was Extinguishing Gossip. So if you feel like I'm just coming here and sharing messages about the tongue, I'm, I'm not feeling like, oh, you, you, you at Waterworks here really need to hear these messages. Just, but I do believe like it's so it's something we, at least in my life, need to continue or continue to work out. Just we use our tongue so much. It's been said that the average the the average words we speak there's a, there's a wide range of the average. I, I've read anywhere from six thousand words spoken a day to twenty thousand words a day. And I believe that varies greatly on what your job is and how much you're working among other people, but. There is an accountability that we are going to be held accountable for how we use our tongue, or more specifically, the words that we speak. We are going to face judgment. And James says, be not many teachers, or be not many, or don't desire to be a teacher because you're going to be judged with a stricter judgment. That's sobering to think about. And depends on what you define as teacher, we could almost put it, you could almost work we're all, in a sense, as adults, a teacher in, in one way or another. And we are going to be held accountable for the words that we speak. The, primarily, the primary tool of the teacher is the tongue. And James uses the word, we shall receive. He included himself in this. He wasn't just saying you. He said we. He included himself as a teacher. So we should think seriously when we are teaching about how we are using our tongue because we are going to be held accountable for the words that we speak. There's an interest, or verse two is an interesting verse. And I'm gonna read it here in the ESV. It says this, for we all stumble in many ways. And if a person does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So why does James say that if, if someone can control their tongue, if he does not stumble in his speech, they're a perfect man? So does it all come down to the words that we speak? I find that interesting. And obviously we're not saved. We're not going to attain salvation by strict, or only if we have a controlled tongue. That's not a means to salvation, but... As a Christian, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, we are called to have a bridled tongue. Maybe for a little bit of an example, I was thinking about this for how much our speech reveals about who we are. You can think about maybe conversations that you've had with people. Sometimes after talking to someone for just a few minutes, you ever feel like you kind of get a glimpse right into their heart, where they're at? And maybe for an example, Lee, I don't know if you do the hiring at Weaver's Carpet or not, 
But let's, I'm just, I was thinking about this, an employer looking for maybe another employee. So you might have people filling out applications and maybe setting up interviews. And let's just think about two men that have filled out their application. And I'm going to use Lee as an example here. He has an interview with two men. And I don't know how long this interview would normally go, but in this interview, going over some questions, you likely get a pretty good window who this person is. Maybe it's sometimes hard to discern. Some people are easier than others. But let's say the one man, I'm just going to, let's say there's two interviews. The one man is, uh, he speaks very highly of his former boss, speaks highly of the, the relationships that he had with his former co-workers. At the end of the interview, by the things that they go over, Lee has a pretty good idea whether the, you know, this man or wh where he's at. Let's say man number two comes in and this, this man number two might have a lot of good things on his application, but in the course of the interview, his former boss, you know, he speaks rather, or he talks down on his former boss, talks down on his former co-workers, and Lee gets the impression that it was always the other person's fault. Like, this man always, you know, he was trying to do the right thing, but it's always the others that were, it was blaming. Well, his speech, at least in my opinion, reveals pretty, gives a pretty good idea where this man's at. And by those two interviews, I believe Lee has a pretty good idea who he's going to want to bring on to the team. There are, our speech is very revealing. So maybe that's a little bit, bring some clarification to verse 2 when James says, if we can have our speech perfected, in a sense, that's the perfect person, where their speech or they use their tongue very carefully. In Harold Martin's commentary, he said, the control of the tongue is the barometer of Christian maturity. Thinking about that. So our speech really does say a lot about us. And one's speech really reveals how spiritual we are. And maybe you've talked to someone that claimed to be a Christian, claimed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but sometimes in just a short conversation, you have a good, you have, maybe you think, you know, they, they really seem genuine, or you may have had some conversations where you just, it leaves, there, there's confusion there. They, they claim to be a disciple, but yet the words that they, they spoke were, there's, it made it really muddy. We probably all have times where we talk to people like that. So I'd like to look at three points this morning for the message. The first one is the power of the tongue. Secondly, the problems with the tongue. And then thirdly, the potential of the tongue. So they all start with P, the power, problems, and potential. So the first point, looking at the power of the tongue. James gives us two things to help us understand the power, or he gives us two examples. In verse 3, he talked about a bit in a horse's mouth. So in that picture, that is a bridle or horse with a bridle on. There's a bit through the horse's mouth. For those of you who ever rode on a horse, as long as that bit was through that horse's mouth, you probably felt like you, had, you could control that horse. And really, that little bit in the horse's mouth Though very small in comparison to the big horse, the powerful horse, with that bit in there and your hands on the reins, a, a well or a broken horse or a trained horse, you could have complete control over that horse with that bit in the horse's mouth. 
When you want to turn to the right, you just tug on the rein. You want to turn to the left, you just tug the other, other rein, and you can go wherever you want to with the bit in the horse's mouth. The illustration, or the, the lesson from this, our tongue, very small, yet very powerful. And then the second one here is the rudder on a ship or a rudder on a boat. It might look a little different on some boats, but the picture there gives you a little idea. The one who is driving the boat, you know, just turns that rudder and the boat's going to go wherever it is turned by that little rudder that's that's down in the water can turn that boat wherever the driver takes it. Again, the rudder is very small in comparison to the boat, so is the tongue. Very small, yet very powerful. I'm going to move quickly through that one. So the power of the tongue, our tongue is extremely powerful. Again, thinking about the verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue. There have been people, unfortunately, that have taken their very own lives because of devastating words that were said to them. And how tragic that is. On the contrast, there's been people that have been encouraged and given given hope because of words of life that were spoken into them. Our tongues are very powerful. The second point is the problems with the tongue. Verse 6 says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. We all know that fire can be used for good, but it can be used for much destruction as well. In 1871, there was the Chicago fire, the big fire in Chicago. It was believed to have started when a cow kicked over a lantern. And what happened from that little flame getting out of control, it grew and it burned for three days. It killed 250 people and left 100,000 people homeless and caused $175 million in damage. And that was back in 1871 many years ago, and all that damage that was done, the lives that were lost over a little fire that got out of hand. Our tongue can be the same way when we have an unbridled tongue, when we speak words very loosely, how much damage our tongues can do. Fire can be very painful, but the, also there can be a lot of pain by the, or the burn can be a lot of burns caused by hurtful words. The phrase in verse 6, a world of iniquity, points to the vastness of evil which the tongue is capable of producing. It defiles the whole body, and that means that the tongue used wrongly pollutes a person's whole nature. Again, thinking about having a conversation with someone, you know, talk can be cheap. Someone can say all the right things. And I recently had a conversation with a man that he was recently baptized. And in talking with him, I wasn't sure exactly where he was at spiritually. And then some of the things that he said and then later finding out the lifestyle he was living made me question whether he if that baptism really was a sign of, a, of an inward change, a, a transformation that took place. So our words, uh, our talk is cheap. 
in a sense, if, if, we, if all it is is we, we talk and, and live a different way. Our talk can defile or pollute our entire nature. Now these are, we're going to, I want to look at the potential. I, I feel like I'm really uh, talking about the problems here. But verses 7 and 8, James talks about, or talking about animals and how man, mankind is capable of, of taming wild animals. A few months ago, I would say early this fall, I was working in the shop. And my two oldest boys came running in the shop. And one of them was holding a squirrel that they caught back in the woods. His finger was bleeding because the squirrel had bit him in the process. It was a young squirrel, but they were back in the woods and they found a net. They were hit, they hit on this one tree and all of a sudden three little squirrels came running out and they were trying to catch these and they managed to catch one. But the squirrel was not at all happy. It wasn't uh, happy about someone holding it in their hand or being caught like that. But my boys decided to try to tame this squirrel. They put it in a cage and it wasn't but a few days later this squirrel, well, at first, when you walked by the cage, you would hear the squirrel chattering and was not happy to see you wanted out of there. But not, what didn't go but a few days, and the squirrel would actually come out and come close to you when you walked by the cage. And my sons, they could hold it and carry it around. It was just this tame squirrel. Mankind is capable of taming some of the wildest animals by taking t- time with them and training them. But James says, no man can tame the tongue. Unfortunately, that squirrel soon disappeared. I came out the one morning and the door was open and the squirrel was gone and we never saw it since. No man is capable of taming the tongue. So I have a question. Is there any hope? And I believe we we can all say, yes, there is hope. Not that we'll ever get it perfect. Well, maybe we won't have complete control where we would like. But I believe the answer is, to using our tongue or the potential for the tongue, the answer is found. We need to surrender our tongue to God. And Benjamin, I appreciate that one song that you let out in, Would You Live for Jesus? I believe it was in the chorus. The the chorus says this, His power can make you what you ought to be. So on our own strength, on my strength, on your strength, no, we can't tame the tongue. We can't have control of the tongue. But we need to say, God, I want you, or here, here I am, and surrender our tongue to him and allow him to cleanse us. His blood can cleanse us and make us free. His power can make us what we ought to be. So we need his power. It's not on our own strength that we can have control over the tongue. And then I'm going to go through this very quickly. On the, at the end of this, these verses here, James talks about the fountain, sweet, sweet water and bitter. You know, that doesn't happen from the same fountain where you get sweet water and bitter. James talks about some men cursing God, some men blessing God. Again, some people use, talk can be used pretty cheaply. James says, these things ought not so to be. And talking about, the, or he uses the... Or in verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? We know you can't produce both. And as disciples of Jesus, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, we should not be producing words of cursing God and words of blessing God. It should not be mixed like that. And that cursing there means more than using profanity, but also wishing 
for disaster to strike another person. Our speech should be in line with our profession of faith. So thirdly and quickly, the potential of the tongue. I wanted to put this picture up earlier, but just, just this picture of what can start with a word that is or an unkind word or a hurtful word. It is a world of iniquity. It can do so much destruction. And then thirdly, looking at the potential of the tongue. I want to look at some very just practical ways in how we can use our tongue in a, in a wise way or in a God-honoring way. Thinking about having a bridled tongue and the potential that it has. And this, this application here doesn't necessarily come out of James 3, but I think it's just something for us to take with us. Again, I mentioned this, asking God to tame my tongue. God needs to overpower my tongue. God is able. It is God who is able, not us, to, or for us to have a bridled tongue. David said in Psalm 141.3, he said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And then Jesus also said in Matthew, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if there are words that consistently are coming out of our mouth that should not be, I think we need to do a heart evaluation and look, what is, what is in my heart? Why is this coming out? Because somewhere inside us, it's still there and we need to surrender our heart to God and allow him to take control of our speech. And then secondly, Think before speaking. Say one tenth of what you, or say one tenth of what I think. That's hard to do sometimes, right? Sometimes we can be really quick to speak our minds. I remember, I forget which minister it was that there was a lady that came up to him after the service and she shared with him, I, I think I know what talent God has given me or what gift God has given me, and it's the, the gift to speak my mind. And this, this pastor said, I don't think God will mind if you buried that talent. <laughs> Sometimes we can be pretty quick to speak our mind. Think before speaking. The, again, this, this hits home to me more than, or as much as anyone else, if not more than anyone else here this morning. Thirdly, resolve to speak truth in love. Now, sometimes we can speak truth, but done with maybe a critical spirit, or maybe it's not really done out of love. Jesus wants us to speak truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is ahead even Christ. Speak truth in love. And going back real quickly to number two, thinking before speaking, I think a verse that should be highlighted in your Bible or underlined if it's not already James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, or quick to hear, and slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Quick to hear, and slow to speak. So often it's easy for me to get that the opposite way. Quick to speak, and slow to hear. And then fourthly, Refuse to gossip or put others down by my speech. 
I have Bible verses tied to each one of these. I'm going to just keep moving through some of these. Number five, remember, I will give an account for my words. I already mentioned that. But Matthew says, or Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle or useless word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So our speech, again, does matter. And six, abstain from insincere flattery. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. That's Proverbs 26, 28. I've heard someone say about thinking about uh, flattery and gossip. So gossip, a simple definition is something that I would never say in the person's presence that I'm talking about. That, that can be one definition of, of determining whether or not something's gossip. Flattery can be kind of somewhat the opposite. I would never say this about this person if they weren't present. So sometimes we can say something to really just try to make someone feel good, and yet we would never say that about them talking to someone else, if that makes any sense. That was, when I read that, that made sense to me. And number seven, Encourage one another and build each other up. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And there's a fellowship meal planned after the service this morning. Just a great time to build each other up and encourage each other with our speech. So God cares about our speech. He cares about... Not only what we speak, but also, you know, what we type. We send emails, we send text messages, whatever. And sometimes it's maybe easier to type something or say something in a message that we might not ever say face-to-face with someone. And that's something for us to think about when we send a message. What is it going to do to this person? Is it speaking truth and love? Not that our words are always going to make someone feel good, That's not necessarily what we're looking for, but speech that brings honor and glory to God. So in conclusion, James 1.26, also James, we talked several times about our speech in the first chapter of James. He says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So we can claim to be a religious person and claim to be a disciple of Jesus, but yet if we live our life with an unbridled tongue, James says our religion is vain or our, our profession, or our faith in Christ is vain if we do not have an unbridled tongue. And I trust this morning that I'm speaking to brothers and sisters who have a tongue that's surrendered, that have a tongue that's surrendered to or that you are looking to God to help you in bridling your tongue. And to remember our, or to, I want us to bridle our tongue because the tongue is full of deadly poison, as James talks about there in chapter three, verse eight. But no man, or the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So that is why we need to say, God, help me in my speech. We need a bridled tongue. And thinking about that verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
So God bless you this week as you use your tongue to speak words of life, to build others up, and to encourage one another to continue on. This has been a challenge for me, and I just like to leave that encouragement and that challenge with you to live your life as much as possible with a bridled tongue to bring honor and glory to God. It's a blessing being here with you this morning and looking forward to sharing in the fellowship meal with you all. Just uh, I'll have prayer and then I'll turn it back over to Steve. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for the book of James, the very practical book. And I pray that each one of us here would have a tongue that is under your control. And I pray that we would all look to you for using our tongue to build up and to not speak words of death. I pray that as a congregation here at Waterworks that the words spoken could bring honor and glory to you, that the words spoken could build each other up and encourage one another on in our walk of life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.